Welcome to the Cornerstone Church Kingston podcast. This is our second episode proper and our third if you include the introduction. And uh, if you're new to this podcast, we are thinking about 26 key truths, 26 doctrines, uh, one for each letter of the alphabet. I'm joined today by Ben Reed, one of our assistant pastors and Pete Woodcock, Senior Pastor at Cornerstone Church. And if you want lots more resources, sermons, helpful materials, you can go to cornerstonechurchkingston.org and find lots of stuff there. So today we are on the letter B. Letter A was adoption. Letter B today, we're thinking about the the Bible. Um, and Pete, you're going to kick us off with a with a verse yeah. about, the, about the Bible. Yes, I mean, it's from the Bible, about uh, the Bible, about the Scriptures, um, and it's in 2 Timothy 3, and it's 16 and 17. It says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Hmm. Actually, I think I think really that really covers almost everything mm. about mm. what evangelicals... Um, uh, believe and practice about the Bible. And it's a test, actually, as well, to see whether we are evangelical. It says all scripture, that's including uh, Old and New Testament, mm. um, is God-breathed. And uh, it literally means that. It's, it's, it's the breath of God, the, um, the breathing out, uh, like spirit. It, so, so the Bible is the spirit. It's the same word, mm. neuptos, isn't mm. it? It's the same word for spirit. So it, this is God's spirit word. Mm. And so we can we can say that God, you know, does, does God breathe out error? No. Mm. I mean, how could God of truth breathe out, breathe out error? And if he did breathe out error, then it's just a very unhelpful book. Mm. Mm. But so this is the very breath of God. But also it's not just sterile truth. It's got life within it. So as we read the scriptures, it, it is the very breath of God that the spirit... Uh, himself will use mm. to to correct us and train us and affect our hearts. Mm. So it's not just an outward book that we sort of revere. It's a living book um, that, although it's written uh, 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 in historical times, is is alive and active today. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Ben, any more thoughts on the verse? Yeah. Well, I was just thinking of Adam in the Garden of Eden, and when the Lord God breathed life into him. He was a dead hunk of sort of flesh before he had the life of God. Well, I mean, there is no life really outside of God. Life doesn't exist outside of God. God gives life to creatures. Mm. Um, and this is his way of breathing spiritual life into us. We're spiritually dead is how the Bible describes our state without this breath of life in us. And, and Jesus also says man cannot live on bread alone, but mm. from every word that comes from the mouth mm. of God. And so these, this is the life that we need in order to live, just like we need to eat. And it's interesting when you look at the Bible, isn't it, how how this life-giving word does come to us in, in the whole book, the Bible. But there's a great diversity within the Bible in terms of genre and literature and mm. style, isn't there? Do you want to mm. talk into that a bit, the different sort of... Yeah, so there, I think there's something like 40 writers. So, I mean, the word Bible, is it means, it means library, mm. really. So uh, I think there's 40 writers, I, I, there's 66 books... Uh, it's written over a period of 1,500 years. It's written on three continents. And yet there's this unity. Mm. And I think that's the, that is the great proof of the... Well, no, it's not the, but it's one mm. great proof of the Bible 
that actually the more you study it, the more you see one author, mm. even though you see the human authors mm. um, uh, and you see the different cultures being brought in and the different genres, you know, mm. poetry, uh, narrative, um, uh, proverbs, uh, um, uh, parables, mm. uh, you know, apocalyptic t literature. So you see those sort of literature... Uh, written by different people, and you can say, okay, yeah, you get a flavor of John, the apostle yeah. of Jesus, yeah. when you read uh, the Gospel of John, and then mm. you read Revelation, mm. you see, and then his mm. letters, you see the same things coming up. Mm. But nevertheless, to have a book uh, that it, with that much span uh, and the sense that there's one writer shows this is the word of God. Mm. As you think of any political party, you could take any political party today where they've joined a political party. So they've said no to left-wing or right-wing or whatever. Still within that one political party, within the age now, mm -hmm. in this one moment, mm -hmm. there is so much argument and disagreements and everything. Mm -hmm. And yet you've got a book here from all those cultures, 1,500 years mm -hmm. apart, uh, and there's this unity. Mm -hmm. It does show mm -hmm. that this is mm -hmm. uh, the word of God. And as you said... Uh, you know, a variety in terms of literature, but also in terms of personality. So you said you read John and you read Revelation and you, you'll pick up little bits of information about John and the sort of man that he was. And then you read something like Amos mm. or, you know, and, and you see, well, he was a very different character. And yet God used different people in different positions and, uh, uh, you know, spoke spoke through them and enabled them to, to write the words of God. Um so tell us then. So thinking about thinking about what the Bible is, and now moving towards maybe how how we use it at, at Cornerstone. Ben, do you just want to sort of talk about the ways in which we we try to centre the ministry on on the Bible and and why that is? Yep, I mean Scripture is our final authority in terms of all sort of doctrine and um, truth and understanding of who God is and what he came to do it's his it's his vehicle for revelation to us nowadays isn't it it's how he's revealed himself to us in the 21st century uh, he hasn't inscribed it on a tree or written it in the in he's given us uh the bible to show us and tell us who he is um and he has told us in the bible that it's as we've read in 2 timothy it's 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 everything that we need for training correcting rebuking uh training in righteousness um so that we might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So that's why we we open it up. It's the central part of all of our ministries because mm. all our ministries are really trying to get this breath of God of life in us mm. and uh, know him more and love him more. Mm. And so what better way to do that than to hear his voice as he, sp as he speaks to us because he's a speaking God. Mm. He's got things to tell us. There are things we don't know and we need to understand um, there's uh, things that he needs to grow in us. And the way he's decided to do this is by speaking to us mm. uh, through his word, which is given to us in, in, as the Bible. Mm. Um, and so what else could we do? <laughs> mm. if, we want, if we want to praise and worship this God, we will engage with him the way he wants to engage mm. with us, mm. which is through his word, the mm. scriptures. Mm. And it's the way new life begins, isn't it? Mm. You know, so... You know, we're told in the Bible that you were born again, how through the living and enduring word of God. So the way in which people come to saving knowledge of Christ is is through 
the preached, taught, explained word of God. And from that very moment of conception, if you like, the way in which we grow, as you say, is by uh, growing in our knowledge of the scriptures. And Pete, I mean, I know you've often said that um, although the word evangelical can... um, can be confusing and can mean lots of things to lots of people. Basically, all an evangelical is is somebody who believes 2 Timothy 3.16, isn't it? I, I think mean, so, yeah. yeah, but really does believe. Yeah, yeah. Because I think it's very easy um, on so many levels to read that sort of verse out and then say, and people say, yes, I believe that. Mm. But in practice, mm. so I want to say it's not just uh, believing it in theory, it's mm. believing it in practice. Mm. That, I mean, because this, this is the word that will thoroughly equip every servant of God. Mm. And so the, I don't really need any more than this. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is sufficient. This mm-hmm. is God's not only inerrant word, in other words, a word without error, he yep. breathed it out. This is sufficient for me to be able to live the Christian life. Yes. So whereas God might give me other things... Um, I don't need other things. I mean, obviously, the ch- a church, yep. because, because the scripture tells me I need the church. Mm-hmm. But, um, uh, you know, I don't need a great music band mm-hmm. to be able to experience God. I don't need the latest music or the oldest music. I don't, you know, need a piano or a harp or a guitar or a drum kit to be able to be equipped uh, to serve God. Mm-hmm. I do need the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Brilliant. Um Let's talk about then how some of some of the sort of challenges that might um, be leveled against this doctrine of the Bible, um, not in an explicit way. I mean, I think there are very few Christians or, or leaders who would stand up and say, you know, the Bible really is outdated. It's not what we need. Um, Although some <laughs> you know, people just do gonna, say that. <laughs> yeah, well, some people might say that, yeah. yeah. But, you know, there's that... Um, that old sketch of the youth pastor who uh, says to the kids, right, I want you to all hold your Bibles over your heads. Now put them under your chairs. <laughs> We're not using those today. Um, so not, not many people would, would do that. But there are subtle ways in which the things that we've just said about the Bible can be undermined or eroded um, in the life of the church. And I'm sure you've both got different, different experiences of that. I mean, Pete, I know one of the things that maybe they don't say it too much anymore, but you know, one of the common objections was, well, the Bible's full of contradictions. Mm. That's one of the things people might say, isn't it? You know, how, yeah, how, I used how, to have a friend, uh, evangelist friend, and he loved it when anyone said that because he would, he would always, and I've seen him do this, he would give them a Bible and say, show me six then. Mm. And the bloke, uh, usually what happens is, uh, 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 I, I don't know whether I'll be able to find them. Well, no, you just said the Bible is full. Of so it should be easy to find them. Here, show yeah. me six. Yeah. And uh, most people can't do it. Yeah. I mean, when it, when it comes to, uh, there, there are, you know, textual work to be done sometimes. There are things that you look at and on the surface uh, might seem like contradictions. Largely... Uh, you know, on, genuinely, nearly a hundred percent of those. When you, when you give them a bit of time and a bit mm-hmm. of thought and in context and, and put it in yeah. context, you'll see that there's there isn't any contradictions. Mm-hmm. There used to be a really great book called Alleged Discrepancies. I've got it at home somewhere, and it had like you know five hundred alleged discrepancies, and most of them, when you look them up, uh, uh, again, as I say, you know, like ninety nine percent of them are are no no discrepancies at all it's just looking at a different angle mm-hmm. so for instance when when luke might say one woman turned up yeah uh, 
somewhere or Jesus spoke to one mm-hmm. woman and then you read Matthew and it's the same story mm-hmm. and it, 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 he emphasizes two. Mm. Well, that's not a discrepancy. Mm. It's just that I could say, um, if Anne said to me today, uh, who did you talk to today? I could say, well, I talked to Tom today. Mm. Um, that doesn't mean to say I didn't talk to Ben. I just I, I just wanted to pick on the conversation I had mm-hmm. with Tom. Mm. Did you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, once you look yeah. like yeah. that, yeah. Yeah. then mostly go. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think people who study historical documents would say that, in fact, is a reason, all the more reason to take it as an authentic yes. document. Um, yes. It would be more suspicious if it was identical in every detail it recorded because yeah. you would think it was some kind of hoax or scam. But yeah. uh, that's kind of one of the hallmarks of authenticity, isn't it? Yeah. So, And then, um, you know, historical things. I, I think the beauty is uh, when you read the... In fact, I, you don't hear this anymore. Mm. So when I first became a Christian... Yeah, there was a lot of stuff against the Bible, uh, that, you know, historical. Oh, there wasn't this town in uh, Acts that mm. is mentioned in Acts. I forget which town it is now. Um, and then uh, suddenly some archaeologist digs up and there is a town. Mm. Or why did, there's a the famous one in Acts where Luke calls the governor of the area a particular name. Mm. And that was proof that uh, Luke was wrong mm-hmm. because that name for that governor was only used in this area mm-hmm. then they dig up and say oh no and this mm-hmm. area mm-hmm. so most of those archaeological things mm-hmm. the bible's c- come out and mm-hmm. been proved to be actually mm-hmm. accurate mm-hmm. if you are going to take those types of critiques on the bible as well you can't just take the very few instances where there are uh, difficulties mm-hmm. there is a mountain of of uh times when there are incredible sort of um this congruency or there is historical accuracy yeah. in the scriptures mm-hmm. so to take to, to to enter the arena of uh historical inaccuracy you also have to acknowledge the incredible historical yes. accuracy mm-hmm. all of the stuff that it does clearly yeah. that you agree with yeah. get right and here you are look at you you're it it, yeah. it, it, yeah. it exposes more an attitude that people bring to the bible mm-hmm. than a genuine mm-hmm. reason to be concerned uh, one of the things i would say to people that are, are worried about the historicity of scripture is is to go on the bible tour or get the little book yeah. by day one mm-hmm. um i think it's called um british museum mm. bible through the, tour, through, through, the museum, yeah. through the museum or something yeah. and just go to the british museum with that book you mm. will be blown away mm. you it there is too much to take mm. in but the accuracy is phenomenal. The mm. historicity is so rooted mm. that really there is no proper mm. historian mm. of of uh, of um, New Testament times mm-hmm. that would say that this is just a hodgepodge mm-hmm. of silly stories. Mm. But that that's that's a dead and gone. Yeah, actually, yeah. I was going to say. I was going to say. So I mean, I think that's that's helpful, isn't it? Because that's that's the criticism that would come from one field. You know, kind of literary criticism not accurate internally contradicts itself but i suppose moving now a little bit to to the sort of life of the church um you know what are some of the ways ben we'll start with you and then come to you pete that that you've either experienced or could imagine that um the authority of the bible the sufficiency of the bible is is kind of undermined in church in church life any thoughts on that um perhaps just in the sense that um we we all desperately want God to speak to us directly face to face, don't we? We desperately want guidance in our life. We want wisdom. We know what we want to know where to go, what to do with our lives. We want to know how to wisely respond to certain things. 
And very often we will just cry out to God and say, God, won't you just show me? Why don't you just tell me what to do or how to be? Um, and we desperately want this kind of communication with God. And yet we very, uh, I'm sort of very rarely will turn to the scriptures and assume that they are God speaking to us to give us wisdom and guidance and all of this sort of stuff. That's helpful. So it's a, it's a record of what God said rather than what God is also saying well, the, through yeah. the Spirit now. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, I mean, the trouble is with sort of waiting for a voice from God mm. is is actually just an assurance thing. How do I really know that? Mm -hmm. How do I know it's not just the, the pork chop that I've eaten that's given me a bit of a stomachache mm. and I'm feeling a bit down or I'm feeling very happy or... How do I really know? Whereas this is a scripture, this is inscripturated mm. word of God, mm. and it's how he's always talked through mm. people, mm. Uh, uh, to his people, mm. and therefore there's a confidence mm. in this. Mm. Yeah, That's right, and I think... I think that's one of the one of the problems um, when when people will say, you know, God, I've got a message from God for you. Mm. Uh, God has spoken to me, and I've got a message for you. Because, however, sort of well intentioned and well meaning that is, um, the the issue with that is that I don't have access to the original revelation. I only have it as it's come to me through you. And how do I know that in between the time it was given to you and between the time you've told it to me, some error hasn't creeped in or there isn't some problem with it? I can't, I can't weigh it and test it by the original. But when you have the word of God as your final authority, um, you know, we, this is why when we preach, we want our people to have their noses in the pages, don't we? So that they can weigh and test according to the revelation. They can see the revelation. They don't rely on us mm. Our job is simply just to bring out what's already in the text and, and yeah. pre, you know, preach it, and they can see for themselves. Um, There's really anything that you could add to what the scriptures already say, is there, as well. Mm. So um, you, you'll hear it often, I don't know, someone will come up to you and say, I've got a prophecy or I've got a word for you. And it's like you're a tree and you will give shelter yeah, and shade, a tree. a tree or a river. It's always yeah. a river. Come deeper into the river or boing on a tree. Yeah. And yeah. often the branch of a tree. Often the interpretation is something that is already given yes. to us in yes. scripture. Yes. So, and, and, you know, it could even be as simple as, as, look, God wanted me to tell you that he's your father and he loves you. And you could just say, well, that's that's nice to know. But what if you hadn't come and told that to me. How would I have known? You know, it, I have God's word himself. He tells me himself. Mm. Um, and, and if you give me a, if you give me the same message in a, in a Bible verse and a piece of scripture, I can always go back to it mm. and be reminded of it. Well, um, they can come and say, God loves you. He is your father. Mm. And they can say that for sure, if they're a Christian, on the basis of the word of God, can't they? Yeah. So I, I guess they don't always have to have a Bible verse for that. Sure. So I can remind you, can't I, if you're feeling down, yeah. brother, God is father. Mm. Take, take your concerns to God as a father. And I can say that 100% sure. Mm. Um, but if I say you're like a, a, a banana at the end of the branch, boinging up and down, and you'll feel the shake of God in you. That's mm. all a lot of crap, mm. and it doesn't help anything anyway. Sure, mm. yeah. So I suppose you're right. You don't have to always give a Bible verse to give encouragement to no. Christian. But, 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 but you're, you're basing your word on the, that. The truth. revelation. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. the way. The reason I know this is not because I've dreamt it or because a voice has spoken it to mm. me. I know that because mm. because God has said it in His Scripture. Mm. Yeah. He's already spoken this word, yes. <laughs> and it's true all the time yes. for all His people. Yes. And that's why I can come to you and say, yeah, God is your, your father and he loves you. Yeah. 
I remember once when I was um, speaking at a meeting, this was quite a few years ago now, I just, I just finished doing a talk on Romans and uh, the girl who was leading the meeting stood up afterwards and was welcoming the band up and she said something to the effect of, you know, as the band begin to play, um, it may be that people have got words from God and we'd love to hear, hear those, um, which I thought was quite remarkable <laughs> given that we just spent 20 minutes looking at the words of God mm. And, uh, you know, I was sort of tempted to say, well, shall I do the sermon? You know, do you want me to do the sermon again? But um, I think the problem there is that she she was, a, again, you know, well-intentioned and well-meaning, I'm sure, and wanted to do the right thing in the meeting. And, of course, if you asked her, did you believe that as we looked at the Bible together, God was speaking? She would say yes. She wouldn't mm. say no. Mm. But um, because of her background or her upbringing or her church culture, um, her, her enthusiasm and her excitement was in what might happen during the singing. You know, God, God might speak and that would in some way be a more relevant, more powerful mm. word mm -hmm. than what we just looked at. Mm. And the problem with that is that um, even though those who were in the meeting might not think this way, it slowly erodes their confidence in the Bible mm. as God actually speaking to them. Mm. And so I think often the way in which what we've said can be undermined is just a it's just a wrong emphasis rather it's a mm. it's the excitement is in the wrong place and too much of it will in the end lead you away yeah. you know mm. from the word of god and will do harm mm. to a disciple's yeah. disciple's yeah. life yeah because yeah. you sort of you sort of uh you look forward to the singing um individual revelation bit of the service as opposed to the uh opening up the scriptures, God speaking yeah. part of the service. And God speaks to us in songs because often songs are just reflections of scripture. Mm, scripture, scripture mm. And we're just reminding, yeah. we're reminding ourselves of truths that God has spoken to us mm. through his yeah. scriptures. Mm. Yeah, so we want to sing songs that, that they don't necessarily have to be word for word from the scripture, but mm. they are scriptural songs. We yeah. just want hairy fairy songs that yeah. make us feel nice. Yeah. Mm. Um, because, that, that, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Hmm. wonder whether I, we're also quite individualistic in the sense that this is a communal yes. message to us as a body yes, of people I think so, yeah. and I really want God to speak to me yeah you know this isn't applicable to me this is just, this is what God wrote to two people 2,000 years ago you know um, I think that's a hundred percent right hmm. that the, the the communal you know the sense of sitting together under God's word otherwise we might as well just listen to the best preachers on podcasts which certainly isn't us mm. um and not go not go to church or anything mm. there's something in the family meeting around uh, the father's word mm. and the spirit word isn't mm. there yeah mm. that actually challenges us uh helps us uh, mm. individually <laughs> yeah uh, yeah great yeah one of okay. the things sorry you asked the question yeah. i forgot quite how you put it about what takes us away or how yeah or what ways in which we can be moved away from this I, doctrine. Really. I've noticed an, uh, sort of one over, over um, sort of, it's more, it's, it's, it's more recent. I mean, it's been around for some time, but it's mm. more recent. Is this sort of um, caricature that we make of a Bible basher. Mm. Now, we all know what a Bible basher is. They're, ma they're mad. <laughs> they come, uh, what Bible bashing means is someone who doesn't care two hoots for anyone. Mm -hmm. They just shout out, a Bible text largely out of context to make you feel mm -hmm. guilty or down or to put you in your mm -hmm. place. That's a Bible basher. Mm -hmm. We know those people. But that caricature of a Bible basher has come into almost all of us who want to speak into someone's life from the Scriptures. Mm. And, um, and it's interesting, isn't it? Because mental health has now become that sort of issue where 
people will say things like, you don't understand, you can't speak to me, you can't, mm. you know, do mm. what I mean? Mm. Whereas, actually, sorry, are you saying that the word of God doesn't, isn't sufficient mm. uh, for each situation? Mm. We've mm. just seen 2 Timothy 3.16. Mm. Do you really believe this? Mm. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, uh, verses like, um, do not be anxious in anything but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, mm. are seen as when you say that to someone, um, uh, or you, you're teaching on, on the whole subject of uh, mental health mm. or anxiety or depression, people suddenly come in and say, Bible bashing, you can't yeah. just use that. Mm. And um, I think that just, uh, I think that uh, uh, belies... Uh, 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 a a belief that this Bible isn't mm. the very breath of God, mm. Mm. that it isn't sufficient, mm. that I need some kind of um, professional non-Christian counsellor. Mm -hmm. That would be better for mm. my brother and sister mm. that's suffering. Mm. I'm not saying that they don't have wisdom. Mm. I'm not saying that there aren't any pills that are helpful. Mm. But do, do you see what... I mean, you've yeah. got other illustrations of where we don't allow the Word of God... Mm to be the word of God mm. because, mm. oh, you might be Bible bashing. Mm. You're also siloing yeah. off your problem and separating it from the rest of you because you're saying that scripture will speak to me generally, but it cannot deal with this little part of me. Yeah. Whereas actually you can't separate ourselves like that. Mm. If we're struggling with depression, for example, or, or some kind of anxiety, yes, the, you, the Bible may go so far soothing your anxieties, but it will give you confidence that God is sovereign in, in his work in your life. Mm -hmm. And therefore that will give you encouragement in your sufferings. So to, to say, don't give me Bible, give me the thing that's going to fix this small problem is separating the problem from the rest of you, mm. which is which is incorrect. Mm. Yeah, mm. that's helpful. Okay, brothers, thank you. We talked, we talked, and it's good to do this because it's only sometimes as we talk about the ways in which this can go wrong that we see what's right, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. But I suppose in the last few minutes, it would be good just to talk talk positively perhaps um you know just just about how you've seen this doctrine and this word of god just give life to our people yeah. in the church and to yeah. ourselves i don't know if any illustrations spring to mind i didn't prepare you for this question but just well, thinking about how, how the word of god has built our church and well, built I mean, our people the thing is the non-christian thinks that of the bible as sort of like masses it's like the ten commandments times five billion <laughs> all it is is a sort of rule book and it isn't that <laughs> this is just it's just, just not that it's stories and illustrations yeah. and this is the beauty of how god who created communication who is the first speaker mm. um knows how we react you read stories you see mm. examples they challenge you you see yourself mm. um so I genuinely, uh, so the, the old, the, the old, the oldies. You, I mean, Spurgeon and people around the, the, uh, 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 earlier than him would say, you know, it, it's often called the, the sword of the spirit. Yeah, and uh, and people would say, well, is it a sword? Is it really God's word? Mm -hmm. And he would say, don't try and argue that it is God's word. Get mm -hmm. the sword out and poke them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and or is it, you know, is it? Um, is it a roaring lion? Mm. Well, just let the lion out. Mm. Mm. And if only people would read the word, you suddenly see mm. uh, that this is, it describes me, it tells me what I need, mm. what I need, mm. God. Mm. It shows me I can't pull myself mm. up by my own bootstraps, mm -hmm. that I need the spirit of God in me. 
it's so mm. amazing. Mm. Opens up culture like nothing culture else. Culture like yeah. nothing else. And this is the beauty of it, mm. isn't it? It's not an old fuddy-duddy mm. book. It's alive and living. And once you start reading it, I mean, I'm re- I better not do my sermon, but I'm reading about <laughs> a bloke in the Old Testament at the moment. And you just see him. Mm. You see him everywhere. You say, oh, God, that's, and then you see yourself. Mm. And you say, gosh, yeah, I'm, I'm close to that. Mm. So it really is a revelation mm, to mm, us. Mm. Yeah, I was talking to talking to a friend in the church yesterday, and he was he was telling me about some of the anxieties that he's had and the difficulties he's had, and uh, it was just wonderful because there was a moment when he said, and the, the other night I was lying awake at night thinking about all these things, and I, I remembered a verse from the psalm that I'd read, and um, and just to paraphrase, it was something like, you know, the Lord is my strength and my salvation. Who who shall I fear? Who shall I fear? Of whom shall I be afraid? And just that verse came to him in the night. He prayed that verse and, uh, you know, he was able to go to sleep again. And you just think that that's the power of the word of God, isn't it? That it can that it can speak into us. It can point us to Christ, point us to God. It helps us in our battles every day. It's not just a set of propositions that could be theoretically true in some life. It ministers to us, doesn't it? Through all of life in our difficulties. You know, it's built our church. Mm. You know, um, we're only following Jesus because of it. And so, so it's a wonderful, wonderful thing, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. I was just thinking yeah. of Ephesians chapter five as well. You know, husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church, gave himself up for her mm. to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. Mm. And there's this idea, and I Pete, you've preached before of the running a dilty, uh, d- dilty, dirty rag under flowing water. Mm. And as you rinse it, just the, the, the mucky water just gets rinsed slowly out of it the more you hold it under that water mm. and I, I personally feel that when I look at my own life and and you know I've been part of Cornerstone 10 years but before that I was part of another church and just those years after year after year sat under the washing of the word mm. there's definitely a sense where you can look back and go you know all of that filth has been drained out I'm yeah. still pretty filthy there's still more work that needs to be done here yeah. but um it it's it's not a kind of um, quick fix, uh, sort of click your finger and you're done type job, is it? The Christian life, but it's mm-hmm. a it's a washing, it's mm-hmm. a process, um, and it's as, as we congregate under the word and mm-hmm. and have it preached to us. Thank you, thank you very much.